All right, we're doing it. It's episode eight of Just Me with R.R. Campbell. You know the deal with the music by now. This is the third time we're touching on it this month, I think. Third time? Sure, third time. If you can name this tune that we keep adding new layers to, I want you to go ahead and email me at justmewithrr at gmail.com. Tell me the name of the tune, the artist who does the original of this, and do it by the April 30th, or however many days there are in April, end of this month in 2020, and we can uh, chat for a half hour. And I don't mean just, you know, me chatting here like I do for these episodes, but I mean an actual dynamic chat. And doesn't that sound nice? I think we could all use a little extra company right now during these quarantines. So, hey, if you could name this track, awesome. If you want to wait another week and see what else we add to this song, the next instrument track that we add to it, well, by all means, go ahead. But if someone does sneak in there and name the song before you, well, that half-hour chat will be theirs. Anyway, we will leave that there for now and transition into Relatability Corner. That's right. Last week, friends, I asked you whether or not you wear socks to bed and why or why not. I asked you to send me your responses by email or let me know on Twitter or whatever the case might be. And here's what I did. I ended up putting up a poll on Twitter because I wanted to try and get some actual data here. You know, we're going to get some anecdotal information if we just go by comments. Let's get some data and see where we land. Well, you did not disappoint. As everyone expected, asterisk, literally no one expected, this was the most voted on poll that I've ever posted on Twitter. I guess Relatability Corner really does seem to be about relatability, which is great. I just wish that, oh, I don't know what I wish for. It's just nice to have the engagement on something as silly as socks. So what was the answer to this question? right? Before we get to my answer to this question, socks to bed, no socks to bed. Well, the responses were overwhelmingly in favor of no socks by 75% to 25%. And that is actually, I, if, I'm, if I'm honest, I expected no socks to come out ahead, but maybe not by such a staggering margin. Now, that said, there was plenty of room for nuance with this as well, as folks were very eager to let me know in the comments. We had Mix MA, a participant in the RightsCast chat over on my RightsCast Network podcast. Uh, MA had this to say, intensely anti-socks in bed. Can't stand it. Jordan, however, cannot sleep without socks, which baffles me. So we're seeing a divide there, a divide there between people. But then author Babadora, LA over on Twitter also said this, summer, no socks. If it's winter, spring or fall, socks. After all, this is Wisconsin. Lisa is this person's name from Wisconsin. And uh, hey, you know, it's cold for eight months out of the year. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. And we had plenty of other people respond. I mean, we could go all the way down through. Let's do one more here from Lee Blowersouth. Blowersouth. Camp, quote, I put socks on when I go into bed and then inevitably kick them off once the covers are warm, so the end of my bed is constantly full of shed socks. Now, good, thank you, everyone. I appreciate you joining me for this first ever relatability corner prompt, but where do I fall in this? How passionate do I feel about one option or the other? It's such, a, it's such an important thing, really the pressing topic of our times. And I will tell you this, folks, I am a little bit I would say most like Lee or like Lisa. Lee 
in this reply about putting socks on and then they inevitably fall off and you end up with socks everywhere, this to me is relatable. But why is it relatable? It's not because I wear socks to bed every night. It's because during the eight months of cold that we get in Wisconsin, like Lisa says, I actually, for the first time, I think it was this winter, maybe it started last winter, I started having to wear socks to bed. Yikes, that was a tough time. I really disliked it. I did a lot of kicking them off, had a lot of socks that went missing under the bed that I found later. It wasn't the gnomes stealing them out of the dryer. No, it was just me kicking them off. But hey, the mystery was solved. And it turns out that we have a shared experience here, everyone, with socks. So there is our moment of relatability for this episode, maybe our moment for empathy. We talked about that back in episode six, the quest for empathy. And here we are having it over something as silly as socks. All right, that was Relatability Corner prompt from last episode. What are we looking for as we go from episode eight into episode nine? Episode nine, what I am looking to hear from you about actually has to do with something I hope we can all be looking forward to right now. I know that there's a lot of uncertainty still in the air. When are we gonna be able to, you know, actually go out, go forth into the world and enjoy it as we once did before? So let's look forward to that maybe with a prompt about vacations, not staycations, let's do vacations. When you get out of the house, when you travel elsewhere on vacation, do you like to plan your trip or do you like to show up at your destination and let come what may? All right, so this is a little bit of, and we'll add this too. If you're a writer, do you do the same thing with your writing or do you kind of let that, or, or do you kind of let that go too? By which I mean, if you are someone who plans your trip, your every day of a trip, are you also the person who plans out your every scene of a manuscript? Or is there some disconnect there? I don't know. If you're a writer, add in that extra layer. But if not, vacation people, which I hope we are all in some way, vacation people, do you plan your every day or do you let it kind of go? And we will see, in fact, what we get next week on Relatability Corner. All right. We'll set aside Relatability Corner for now. Let me know how you felt about that as a segment. It's something we'll stick with for a couple episodes here. If we have some good traction, if we keep getting good interactivity on Twitter and at justmewithrr at gmail.com or on Facebook or whatever the case might be, we'll keep rolling with it. And if you have ideas for prompts, let me know. But let's set it aside for now and get into what it is we're going to talk about today. Well, first... Let's see if we can walk our way into it. I don't want to slap a label on this. Let's walk our way into it. I want to thank everyone who hung in there last week, Tuesday night, when we tried to do our most recent live feed. That was supposed to be the Dance-a-thon live feed. We got started a little later than I expected due to technical difficulties. And then, inexplicably, or so it would seem, people were unable to leave comments in the live chat. And wouldn't you know it, the live chat is the lifeblood of those live chats. Huh. You all watched as I did some live troubleshooting for you on the air. Plenty of people hung around for it for reasons I don't understand, but I'm grateful for. And we were ultimately able to determine after shutting down the first stream, taking a look at what its settings were, still not sure why it wasn't working. We started up a new live stream that did allow some people to comment, others not so much. But for everyone who hung in there, I really do appreciate it. And what I learned that night was a couple of things. One, you are all very forgiving people. And I appreciate that a great deal. 
I was so excited about that chat because it seemed like people were really responding to this idea of trying to have a dance party of sorts. I was really looking forward to playing setting goal conflict with everyone again. And when it kind of fell apart, I was very much, you know, I had that sheen of sweat on my brow. My cheeks were very red. You can actually go to YouTube and watch the second of the two videos. I got rid of the first one because it was, it was a dumpster fire, but you can see in that second video, I'm doing my best, but I know that that would have been so much more challenging if everyone hadn't been so patient and willing to sit there and troubleshoot. That's great. I don't want every live episode to be about troubleshooting things, but that you hung in there for me was a really a strong reminder of the desire that I think we all have to connect in some way. And again, our ability to relate to each other and empathize with situations in which you, the viewers that night, had maybe had your own struggles with technology, or maybe not even technology, just the ghosts in the machine. Who's to say? I like to think I'm a relatively tech-savvy person, but once in a while, let me tell you, there are things that cannot be explained. They are the unsolved mysteries of our time, right? Of our day-to-day -day lives. So thank you for hanging in there. It was really a lesson for me in all of which I've said so far, and also in this idea of really pushing on. Because between Tuesday night's live feed and some other recent events in the last week or so, and really stretching out over the last couple of months, I have found myself questioning at times where my focus should be, what I should be striving for, and whether I need to, I don't want to say give up on certain things, but whether I need to shift gears and pivot away from aspirations I've had for quite some time. And we'll get into the details of those here because of course we will, why not? I'm talking specifically about this Cranberry manuscript. I think I've talked about it here in this capacity on this particular podcast. If you listen to the RightsCast Network shows, I know you've heard about it. But the gist of the story is this, right? This is a book I've been working on forever and a day, going all the way back to 2017. It's been through 85 million revisions, and I mean deep revisions. We're not talking about shuffling words around. We're talking about changing deep structural matters. And I finally found in early 2020, started probably late 2019, I settled on a vision for that I loved. I really loved this manuscript. And I thought, okay, cool. I'm going to send this out now to some people who saw past versions. I'm going to send it out to some friends and other writers who haven't seen it before. And just, I'm not going to ask them questions. I just want their feedback. And over the course of the last several weeks or a month or so, I've started to get some of that feedback coming in, and it has been really challenging to confront for a couple of reasons. One, I'm not looking necessarily only for affirmation, but the points that seem to have caused confusion for those who have read it were the things that I was really proud of. So there was a strong disconnect between the vision that I was trying to introduce and its ability to land with people. That said, people who were not quite sure about those particular elements of the story, they, you know, they were able to get it. They did get it, but they weren't sure if they got it or not. And I don't know, maybe we're going to get too deep into story structure here, and I want to keep this as approachable as possible. But the point is this, the feedback I was getting was challenging for me for those reasons, but also because I had already started doing what is known in the publishing world as querying this manuscript. Well, what's a query? A query letter or a query is basically a cover letter for your book. 
and you send this cover letter by email or through submissions portals to people known as literary agents. And the idea is that you share this cover letter with them and maybe they, on their website, they already request, like also send the first five pages. Also send the first 10 pages or three chapters. It, it can be as little as five pages. It can be no pages at all and they just want the cover letter. And the idea is that using this cover letter for which there's a specific format, you need to catch their attention and get them to request more material. And the goal is that they will eventually request a full manuscript, they'll fall in love with your book, there are gonna be some things that they think are worth you know, working on together and a new vision that they can bring to it. And then when you decide it's time to sign with this agent, if they make you that offer, great. Now they're the person that represents you to one of the, the big five publishers as they're known. This is something I've been wanting to do for years. I've been content in the small press publishing space that I'm in where you can query these presses directly. Really great opportunities, a lot of doors opening up there, but I really feel that I have some material that can connect with a wide enough audience that I want to get the economies of scale and also bring a particular vision from certain industry professionals to this manuscript because it seems that I need it. Great, well, the problem here is I sent about 20 of these cover letters out for a manuscript that people were now getting back to me and saying, I'm not sure I'm connecting with in the ways maybe you want me to connect with it. Cool. Should I have pumped the brakes? Should I have maybe waited till that feedback came in? Yeah, there's an argument to be made in favor of that for sure. But I thought that with the with the revisions that this has gone through and knowing that this manuscript had already been offered a contract for publication that I turned down for reasons particular to that contract, I felt pretty confident that we'd be headed in the right direction. And it all kind of came to, came to a head for me last week. I want to say Thursday, Wednesday, who knows? This is right in the aftermath of that live stream that didn't go as well as I wanted, despite your, you viewer and listener, your best efforts to hang in there with me. For me, that was really challenging. And then Wednesday, Thursday next week, I got some additional feedback from people that proved challenging. I got a few more rejections from agents who they normally reply and say something to the effect of, thanks for taking the time to query me, but I'm not sure we're a great fit. Once in a while, they give some personalized feedback and that's always wonderful. But I was getting a few more rejections from agents that I thought it would have been nice to work with, of course. And so I found myself confronted with this choice. There's no need to rescind any of the cover letters I sent out. In fact, that would just be more harmful than I think it would be beneficial. But I found myself saying, what am I gonna do? Is it time to walk away from some of the projects that I have? Is it time to shut down some of my podcasts? Is it time to just really hunker down and focus on my writing and my writing alone? Because that is, that's what drives me to do all of this. I love doing that stuff. That is my true passion. And if I'm giving that short shrift, what am I doing with everything else out there, right? And that that was really, those were a tough, it was a tough day. It was a tough couple of hours there for me to have to be tussling with that and thinking about the future of what it is that I want from my engagement with these many facets of what we'll call a presence, what we'll call community engagement, etc. And just when I was kind of coming to this idea of accepting that, you know, maybe... Maybe I need to pare back. Maybe I need to abandon this idea of pursuing traditional publishing completely 
enroll with self-publishing. There are many reasons that I could pursue that and many people do have great success with it. There's some really incredible self-published work out there. I could try and get in that, teach myself all of that and make that my focus. I was really coming around to saying, maybe it's just time I get into that. And then as fate would have it, I got an email from not an agent, but an agent's representative at the publishing house. This was a surprise to me because I didn't actually send a cover letter to the agent reaching out to me. I sent a cover letter to their colleague who, I'm filling in some details here based on, you know, some conjecture and what would make sense to me. This colleague probably thought, I don't know, not for me, but thought, hey, maybe this other agent with whom they work at their agency, who also happens to be the president of the agency, maybe they would like to check it out. And wouldn't you know it, that was who this email was from via our friend uh, who was working for them in a personal assistant capacity or something of that, something to that effect. I was over the moon at this because it suggested to me, well, hey, maybe the people that I'm trying to approach, maybe the people I'm trying to connect with, maybe the angles that I think are standing out in this book are not the ones I need to be emphasizing. Because for me, the individual from whom I got this request and wanted to know more, I wouldn't have looked at what it is they're looking for in a manuscript and thought, oh, I'd be a good fit for them. But there was something that they saw in what I wrote that they were able to connect with, right? This is great news. Now, it was not a full request. That's fine. You want to get to a full manuscript request eventually. In this case, they requested three chapters. Great. I can send three chapters, no problem. This was a small victory, right? But it was no matter how small and short it might have seemed, this made a huge difference in how I felt about that day and how I felt about that week and how I felt about my ability to push forward with the path that I really feel is something that I can walk along. And then the next day, another request. This one, a full manuscript request and not from the person who had reached out to me the day before, but from someone I have long considered to be a prospective dream agent of mine for reasons that I can't get into all the details on because it'll give away who it is. But this full request, I have been clinging to that for days now. Problem though, here I am putting how I feel and how I feel about my work's ability to relate to others in the hands of another individual, right? By ceding control, we're tying this back into something else we talked about in another episode, by ceding control over my own happiness to the judgment of another person, I am setting myself up either just for an affirmation of what I want, which is great, but it's what I already am kind of expecting, quote unquote, or hoping for, right? Hoping for is more appropriate there. Or I'm setting myself up to be completely undercut and devastated. Not a great setup, right? So what am I doing to temper all of this? What am I doing to try and anchor myself as I now go into this period of new uncertainty where I'm suddenly finding, hey, my work might be connecting with people. I just have to find the right people. How will I get through this while I wait for months, while they review these pages, while they review the manuscript? I'm gonna come back to you. You listening, you viewing this, you who join me for those live chats, you who comment during Relatability Corner, 
you who send me emails and shout outs on Facebook and leave reviews for the books I already have published. That is attainable relatability. It is there daily. And I know how supportive and forgiving and understanding you can be. And until I am able to forgive and understand myself and be understanding of myself in the same way that you are of me, I can't thank you enough for being there. More to come on all of that, I hope. I will keep you updated on this querying journey. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that at the end of all of this, I don't care how red my spreadsheet gets. If every row of that spreadsheet is red with rejection, but there is one line that is green, that's going to be the one, right? It doesn't need to be about scale. It's about these one-to-one -one connections because those will open the door. And I want this series of videos, I want this series of podcasts to be about those one-to-one -one connections that open doors, maybe not into a big publishing contract, but at least into interpersonal connection that we can carry with us during times of uncertainty, no matter how large or small. So thank you, everyone, for joining me for episode eight of Just Me with R.R. Campbell. I really appreciate you swinging by. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could go ahead and give it that thumbs up on YouTube, leave a comment, let me know how you feel about all of this, subscribe to the channel, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. That would be really great. I'd love to see us continue to build some positive momentum week over week here. Remember for Relatability Corner, let me know, vacations, you plan them out day by day or you just kind of roll with it. And this song, this song that you're hearing, email me at justmewithrr at gmail.com if you think you can name it. And you'll get that aforementioned top of the episode prize of that half hour chat, whatever you want to use it for, you can make it happen. So anyway, thank you as always for joining me for another episode here. If you do want to support, send some additional support in the direction of this feed. There is that Patreon page, patreon.com slash just me with RR. Get access to some additional live videos, some customized, personalizable content, whatever the case might be. That's patreon.com slash just me with RR. So whether I see you next over on Patreon, whether I see you on Twitter, whether I see you again in a week in the comment section on YouTube or in my inbox, whatever the case might be, please, folks, hang on to hope, hang on to each other, hang on to that relatability and those interpersonal connections, and live unscripted, unedited, and unafraid.